Welcome to a weekly review of LGBT news from Keene News Service. I'm Lisa Keene. President Obama has not given an interview to a gay news media outlet since arriving at the White House, but he did give one to Rolling Stone magazine last month, and in doing so, said he thinks it's a big deal that he got his own Secretary of Defense and Joint Chiefs of Staff committed to changing the Don't Ask, Don't Tell law. Change is a word President Obama is especially fond of, and he told Rolling Stone that he doesn't think it's too much to ask that the change in Don't Ask, Don't Tell happen in an orderly way. What was surprising about the President's remarks, however, is that he sees this orderliness as necessary to ensure the safety and well-being of gay men and lesbians still serving in the military. Activists trying to repeal the 17-year-old ban on gays in the military have been expressing increasing impatience with the administration, and their impatience was exasperated last month by the failure to get 60 votes to break a Republican filibuster on the defense spending bill, which carries the repeal measure. And there was no evidence that the Obama White House went out of its way to secure that 60th vote from any Republican last month. So the conventional wisdom is that there will be diminished support for repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell if Republicans take over either chamber of Congress during midterm elections next month. Given all this, it's hard to understand where House Speaker Nancy Pelosi got her renewed optimism this week that Don't Ask, Don't Tell will be gone by the end of this year. Pelosi, speaking to an audience at the Gay and Lesbian Victory Fund dinner in Washington, D.C. Wednesday night, seemed to be speaking in code. The law, she said, would be gone. Not that Congress would repeal it, but that it would be gone by the end of this year. And later, speaking to reporters from several gay news outlets, she said it would be gone with or without Congress. But she started to say something about it being gone by executive now gay activists are wondering whether she may believe President Obama might effect this change on the military the way President Truman did in the 1940s, by executive order. If so, President Obama has given no hint that he's considering that option. One piece of speculation that did emerge as fact this week was the resignation of President Obama's Chief of Staff, Rahm Emanuel. Within minutes of Chicago Mayor Richard Daley's resignation announcement last month, rumors emerged that Rahm Emanuel wanted to run for the job of leading his hometown. President Obama confirmed that news Friday and announced that one of his senior advisors, Pete Rouse, would be taking over as his new chief of staff. The news, while sort of insider Washington in many respects, may make for a friendlier White House as far as LGBT activists are concerned. Rahm Emanuel is not anti-gay. He had a perfect 100 score with the Human Rights Campaign Fund when he was a member of Congress. But he was a fierce gatekeeper as chief of staff and became notorious for rebuffing LGBT leaders during touchy conflicts over gays in the military in the National March on Washington. Pete Rouse is not well known to the community, but Human Rights Campaign spokesman Fred Sands said he's considered responsive and Democratic activist Hillary Rosen said he's likely to be more of an internal advocate than Emanuel has been. In other resignation news, the federal district court judge, who earlier this year presided over the landmark trial challenging the constitutionality of California's same-sex marriage ban, announced Wednesday that he will retire in February. Judge Vaughn Walker, chief judge of the U.S. District Court for Northern California, sent a letter to President Obama September 29 announcing his plan. Walker, who is 66, was hailed by many and derided by others in August when he issued his opinion in Perry v. Schwarzenegger 
declaring Proposition 8 to be unconstitutional. A press release from the court said only that Walker will leave the court in February 2011 to return to the private sector. Speaking of federal courts, an anti-gay marriage group has, for the 11th time, filed a lawsuit in federal court claiming it should be exempt from state campaign finance laws. The problem, says the National Organization for Marriage in its lawsuits, is that state campaign finance laws are a pain in the neck and that it hardly has time to work on its primary mission, which is fighting against the right of gay couples to be treated equally under the marriage laws. The argument is laughable, but the lawsuits are real, and they are making their way through the courts to a seemingly inevitable petition to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's where the laugh turns scary, because it was just last January that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that corporations should not be burdened with campaign finance limitations and disclosures. That decision came in Citizens United, and a 5-4 to decision gave corporations a green light to fill the airwaves with unlimited ads for and against candidates. That's the kind of freedom the National Organization for Marriage wants, and its lawsuits are being led by the same attorney who championed the Citizens United litigation. The latest lawsuit was filed in federal court in Rhode Island, and there, the Providence Journal newspaper said the National Organization for Marriage hopes it can saturate the Rhode Island market this fall with the I Can Marry a Princess ad that works so well for Proposition 8 supporters in California. Meanwhile, gay conservative activists continue to develop their own new strategy. As you'll recall, last month a group of Republicans raised $1.2 million to help support the litigation necessary to undo the damage of Proposition 8 in California. That was a sort of the enemy is us type of story. This week, the story is Embrace the Enemy, a story brought to you by Go Proud, a year-old gay conservative group led by former log cabin officials. To raise money, Go Proud brought in Ann Coulter, a figure who has either blurred the line between serious political commentary and outlandish brass balls comedy, or has decided to smile broadly while delivering anti-gay slurs so she can claim her attackers can't take a joke. Go Proud is the group which seriously made waves this year by endorsing the Republican challenger to longtime openly gay congressman Barney Frank. It was entertained by such Coulter classics as gays aren't black and only blacks have civil rights. She also suggested gays should be joining with right-wing conservatives such as anti-abortion activists because once scientists find the gay gene, guess who's going to get aborted? Reporters covering the event noted that quite a few people in the crowd laughed uproariously at Coulter's punchlines, but that others, particularly the young people in the crowd, challenged her remarks. Of course, not all young people can challenge those who would make fun of them at their expense. Two students at Rutgers thought it would be funny to secretly videotape and broadcast a gay roommate engaging in intimate relations with a same-sex partner in the privacy of his dorm room. After the gay student found out what they did, he jumped off the George Washington Bridge in New York and killed himself. Four other apparent suicides by gay teens have been reported during the past three weeks in Indiana, California, Texas, and Rhode Island. It's a big deal, and something needs to change. For Keen News Service, I'm Lisa Keen. You have been listening to a podcast of Keen News Service. Visit us on the web at keennewsservice.com.